0: Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Malted Muse podcast. I must confess to having mixed emotions at the moment. It's really good, it makes me very happy to see so much going on in the world of whisky. Whisky festivals, tasting events and things going on all over the world, but especially at the moment within the UK. One tweet that I read from somebody said that I'm going to three festivals, whiskey festivals, this month. And it is really nice to see that. I put out a tweet saying that basically I think these things should be televised and shown on national television. They're a good illustration that it is possible to go out and drink, but drink responsibly. To drink and appreciate the drink. To do it with style. We're talking about large amounts of people getting together and imbibing good quantities of alcohol. But they are doing it in a way that makes them so different from the lager louts that we see strolling across the streets of city centres late at night. Such a common and sad sight. Whiskey lovers, let's show the world how it is possible to drink and yet also remain civilised. The sad news, well the sad news is quite simple, there's all these wonderful things going on and at the moment I've not been able to get to any of them, but it has been so nice to see other people getting out there, having a good time, appreciating these wonderful products. On the other hand... I have got news because this has also been a period of time where there's been some really good news coming out. Where do we start with those? Well, let's start to something that geographically is close to home for me. And that is St George's Distillery, the English Whiskey Company. They've put out a release about actually working in line with St Peter's Brewery and the announcement of a new beer. Now, I don't normally talk about beer here, but this is going to be an exception. The Suffolk Brewer St Peter's has teamed up with the English Whiskey Company, and what they've done is they've used the same peated malt used at St George's distillery in their whiskey production. What, the, what they're doing is, following fermentation... They take the English Whiskey Company's Chapter 9 Peated Single Malt Whiskey and add it, before bottling, to their beer. And what they're saying they produce this way is a superbly balanced beer, rich in flavour but with smoky overtones which comes from that peated malt. The beer has got an ABV of 4.8%, which I think is a pretty decent ABV for a beer. It's not so low that it becomes weak and insipid. It's not so high that it overdominates the beer. But I'm not an expert on beer. Andrew Nelstrop, Managing Director of the English Whiskey Company said, We're delighted to be working with St Peter's Brewery to develop this excellent new and differentiated product. With St Peter's penetration in the worldwide export markets, we're hoping that this product will also introduce consumers to the English whisky company and our range of whisky products, both abroad as well as in the UK. And Colin Cordy, Managing Director of St Peter's, has added, In consumer trials, we have had some very positive reaction to The Saint's whisky beer. And also distributors in our 32 export markets are very excited about this addition to the St Peter's award-winning range of beers. So that's the name of the beer, the Saints Whiskey Beer. And that makes sense, doesn't it? St George, St Peter. I must confess, I'm not a great football fan, but when I first saw the Saints, I thought of Southampton. Southampton football team being known as the Saints. The Saints Whiskey Beer will be launched exclusively in the UK in 150 selected Waitrose stores and the UK's leading online grocer Ocado and that's going to be from October 24th 2011. The beer will also be available from the St Peter's online shop and also at the St George's online shop at the distillery and the web shop and the Websites for those I will put into um, the links for this episode. They are www.stpetersbrewery.co.uk and www.englishwhiskey.co.uk But they're not the only ones to bring out a new release. I'm really chuffed at the fact that a certain distillery has come out with a new release. Because it's a distillery that I'm developing a bit of a fondness towards. It's the Glenglasic distillery. I started to develop a fondness for this distillery when I first came across it at Wee Fest last year. That was in Bakewell and I was interviewing Jim McEwen and Jim was saying to me about how he'd done an, a blind tasting that included some Glenglasuk and had given it top marks full score and uh, then went over to the Glenglasuk stand tasted some of their New Make Spirit thought it was absolutely wonderful but at that point the only thing that was on the market was New Make Spirit um, and whiskey from old stock They have been releasing stuff recently and I'm not going to talk too much about that at the moment and I will explain why in just a couple of minutes. But what they're doing now is that they have recently announced the release of a very special bottling. The very first cask, a refill bottle that was filled on the first cask filling day in 2008 has been emptied and refilled into two smaller casks and that happened on the 16th of December 2010. The two casks were a first fill ex Pedro Jimenez Sherry Hogshead and a first fill ex Palo Cortado Sherry Hogshead. And then, on the 16th of September, 2011, the whiskies were returned from these two casks into the original butt, and that's where they are now, marrying together, and they are going to be there for three months from the time that they, they went into the, uh, that butt. So that means then, that on the 16th of December, 2011, just in time for Christmas. That cask is going to be emptied and about 650 bottles will be filled with whiskey at cask strength, natural colour, no chill filtration. And it's going to be done by the employees of the Glenglassic Distillery. It's then going to be shipped to those lucky individuals who can pre-purchase one of those well, let's be honest, they're going to be rare, they're going to be unique, they're going to be those little bits of history. And hopefully, purchasing, shipping, delivery is all going to be able to be done in time for Christmas, as I, as I just said. The bottles are now available for pre-ordering. And you can do this by emailing all your contact details, name, address, telephone numbers, etc. To the email address of bottling at com or you can be you can purchase a bottle now direct on the online shop www.glenglassock.com. those details will of course be on the link to this episode on my website i feel quite happy at people doing this because i have already done so so i feel pretty safe that i've got a bottle there how much is it going to cost it's a 700 ml bottle It's going to be packaged in an outer tube and with a certificate of authentication and it's going to cost £90 plus shipping. The shipping I think is about £10.99. It is possible however to pick up the bottle direct from the distillery on the 19th of December onwards in which case you're saving yourself the shipping charge as well as getting to look at the distillery. So that's good. There is, however, a little bit of a problem because I can remember when I, was ta- when I tasted the new make and I reported on that in this podcast, I advised people not to buy a bottle of it but to buy two bottles of it. So you had one to drink, one you could put to one side. And um, the idea was is that in 40 odd years' time when that whiskey is coming out on the market and everybody is going on about how fantastic it was, you could bring out your bottle of new make and say, yeah, but look, I can remember it when it was a baby. With this bottling, unfortunately, sales are restricted. Only one bottle per person per email address. And anyone who tries to purchase multiple items will have any money paid refunded for the second and any other subsequent purchase. So you are limited to one bottle, which is a shame because I must confess I wish I could get two because I would like to put one away uh, and look after it, pass it on to the next generation. But it's whiskey. Whiskey's a drink. You should drink it. And Ronnie Routledge from Glenglasuk Um, sent me an email wanted to know whether I was going to keep or drink and the answer to that is a very simple one yep it's going to be drunk I don't know when it'd have to be a special occasion I think either that or until curiosity and desire overcomes me but it is to be drunk now, I did say there's more information about the distillery, about other things that they've released. I'm not going to talk about this now. In fact, I'm not going to talk about Glenglasuk at all anymore at the moment. And that's partly because later on this week, I'm going to be talking to Ronnie Routledge from Glenglasuk. And I shall be recording that conversation. And that will be going into a future episode of the Morted Muse podcast soon. The other thing that is, to me, an absolutely wonderful thing, I've been waiting for this to happen for some time, is the release of that lovely publication, The Mort Whiskey Yearbook 2012, edited by Ingvar Rond. Now, I did consider contacting Ingvar Rond and trying to get an interview with him, but I'm going to bow down to somebody who's far Better at this sort of thing than I am. Mark Gillespie from Whiskey Cast, who has beaten me to it in his current episode of Whiskey Cast, available on iTunes. There is an interview there with Ingvar Rond, and I would recommend people listening to that. But here's this is what I think of the publication. See last year I can remember reading the 2011 edition, and to be honest, it blew my mind. This year's edition? Well, sadly, I'd just finished picking up the pieces of my blown mind, when the 2012 edition blew it away again. See, there's something special about this publication. And it's, it's like most good ideas. It's so simple to see when someone else has done it. But... It's also a true mark of genius that they did. This book follows a simple formula and it's one that works and it takes it out of the rest of the the pack of annual publications and in my view puts it into the lead. There's a lot of guides and or annual publications that have got good stuff in them. Some focus on tasting notes and give a little bit of an opinion. Some focus on distilleries, and a little foundation on how whisky is made. There are those that give scores, that give tables, that give facts. And they all have their place. But this book does all this, and it does so much more. Yeah, the formula is basically the same as it was last year. But that doesn't matter, because the content is, is, is different and the formula being the same makes it accessible and easy to follow. So what is the formula and what is different? The formula is to break up the book into sections that look at articles written by leading writers, details of distilleries in Scotland and Ireland and also from around the world, new bottlings, tables and statistics and the, and the review of the year and mixed in with this are interviews with distilleries looks at websites books, magazines and a whisky history but there's more than that as well so what makes it different from last year the obvious is that it's updated new releases it's a different year to review etc but just as important is the interviews with different managers with different views and stories. The biggest things for me are the articles in the front. Here is a selection written by great experts about a variety of subjects. Together, they provide contemporary commentary as well as historic reflection. If you are new to whiskey, this will give you a great introduction. If you are a whiskey buyer, then this will help you with tasting notes and whiskey distillery information. If you are a whiskey geek, or in the trade, then the business side is there as well. Who owns what, company performances, annual stats. There is something for everyone. And yet it manages this without becoming weak or shallow. See if you're if you're new to whiskey, the way this book is laid out means that the company performance, the annual stats, the more geeky or trade side, it doesn't interfere with your enjoyment. You don't look at this book and think, oh no, that's, that's too much for me. If you are a whiskey geek, if you are on the business side, then the, the more introductory stuff is written in such a way and laid out in such a way that it it retains interest it retains its contemporary nature it's wonderful now one thing that stood out for me was colin dunn's contribution concerning the emotional side of whiskey drinking and that is followed by a selection of emotional tasting notes now Emotional tasting is something that I have often championed myself and it was great to see it here. Along with the info about blends and Irish whiskies. fantastic. But I could go on, I'm, I'm picking those things out but I'm not saying that the other things weren't good because there's some brilliant stuff in there, absolutely wonderful. There's not one bit of this that I would say isn't enjoyable. Now on top of all this, it is easy to read it's easy to reference and it's beautifully illustrated It's physical construction is it's chunky enough to make it substantial the cover is paperback it's flexible enough to be portable. The only thing is if only add a section dedicated to whiskey podcasts I said If only it had a section about podcasts. Hello, Ingvar? Can you hear me? Only joking. It's brilliant. Well, here comes an apology to everybody. We have got about halfway through the podcast, and I was going to be putting in an interview at this point, but my life, as often happens... It's a period of chaos. As regular listeners may have picked up on, one of my daughters went to Peru, to see her boyfriend. She's been there for three weeks. While she was there, she became ill. She's had to have lots of injections. She's been to the hospital there. She started to get better. She finished her time in Peru, and she came home to us. Meeting her at the airport, throwing my arms around her, it's one of the lovely times of my life, to be honest. It is that sense of security that my darling daughter had come safely back to us after the period of ill health and so far away. Well, she came home and then at three o'clock in the morning she started feeling ill again, was taken into hospital where she still is at this current time. She is not seriously ill, but she's ill enough to be in hospital and she's ill enough to interfere and how dare she do this, interfere with me getting the podcast sorted out. So, unfortunately, I've missed one of the interviews. I am going to do my best to get that interview done and put it into a later podcast, but this week I just haven't got the time to get it into this one. So, it's been a stressful day for me. So, at the end of a stressful day, what do you do? got home late at night... And actually, it's my wife's idea, let's have a whiskey. With the stress, with all the smells that you get in a hospital, I wanted something that was going to be distinct, decisive, easy to drink, but at the same time, had enough character and enough enough cutting-edge quality of it to cut through all of that. And the one that I've picked out here is Smokehead Extra Rare. Now, I first had Smokehead in Portugal 2009, and it made a distinct impression on me. And I'm holding up a glass of it at the moment with that wonderful, gentle, peaty smoke smell to it. But on the taste, beautiful. This is a crisp, dry whiskey. It's got a distinct peatiness to it, with that salty, briny quality coming afterwards. There is a very subtle sweetness in the aftertaste of this whisky, but most of this whisky is dry, refreshing. This is a whisky that can slap you around the face and say, wake up. At the end of a stressful day, when you're feeling weary, one of these slaps you around the face, says, come on, up you get, we have got more to do. Brilliant. The ideal whisky to have at the end of a rather rubbish day When you've got a few more things that you want to get done. But don't think this is a shallow whisky. Because it isn't. We've got other things going on in there as well. After that initial salty, peaty quality. We get other things coming through. Pepper. We have maybe a little bit of fruit. But we've got pepper. We've got ginger. I'm picking up some licorice. A little bit of toffiness to it. And an aspect of tobacco there as well. Absolutely wonderful. This comes in at 40% ABV. It's smokehead extra rare. And if you look in Ian Buxton's one hundred and one whiskies to try before you die, in the page number seventy eight, we've got smokehead in there. But the smokehead that he's got in here is extra black. Now this is notching at upper level. Be warned, he says, This takes no prisoners. It's an 18-year-old Islay single malt, unspecified, but one of the extreme ones. There is a little brother, he says later on, the regular smokehead. But if you like this kind of thing, why bother with the monkey when you can have the organ grinder? Well, Ian, I don't actually have the organ grinder with me at the moment. But to be honest, if this is the monkey... I'm right in the mood at the moment for some monkey business. Now, getting back to how my day has been, I did miss that interview. I do apologise about that. I will do my best to get the interview done and bring it into a later episode. However, I do have some degree of dedication and even though I've been at the hospital all day long. I did manage to break away for a bit. I did manage to get to a phone and I did manage to make a phone call, a recorded interview with Andrew Forrester from Belvinnie. Now, I'm going to be playing that interview because it is an interview that I think really is worth listening to. I'm going to be playing that interview next week. But in the meantime, as I say goodbye here is a taster of that interview where andrew forrester talks about his experience and what he took to the whiskey show in london last weekend andrew you've just come back from the whiskey show and i believe there you provided two dream drams for people to taste sadly I wasn't able to go I never had the chance to try them so tell me a little bit about those dream drams and just how well they went down
1: Jim you can probably tell uh, by my horse throat actually um, I have been at the whiskey show for uh, two days uh, trying to uh, shout above the noise of a thousand other people in a room all enjoying whiskey uh, with a bit of a cold um, the dream drams well uh, we were tasked with taking uh something really special to the whiskey show for people to try um, something you know maybe something very old something very expensive something very rare so lots of the fillers have shown up with uh, you know their 40 their 40 year old expressions or something very unusual a vintage expression I was a bit of a loss what to take for the Dalboni. Um and because uh, I didn't want to just uh, do the normal which is you know in the predictable um, that's just not me so I thought well Maybe we could make something special for the show. So I contacted David Stewart. David Stewart's our, um, our malt master. He's the guy who makes all of the Balveni. And uh, I asked him if he would be, if he'd be able to create a special whiskey just for the show so that people who came to the show tried something genuinely and truly unique. Um, so David was excited to do this as he always is. Uh, so David selected Three casks from, uh, from one of the warehouses at Belveny. I think it was warehouse 24 where we take visitors to see our old and rare casks. All of those casks were sherry butts. They all contained whiskey that was originally distilled in the, uh, the early 1970s. I think there was one cask from 1972 and one, uh, with whiskey in it distilled in, and two distilled in 1976. Anyway, that whiskey had been maturing in traditional American oak, bourbon barrels for a period of time. And then at some point, David will have vatted that whiskey and uh, transferred it to these sherry butts. So we've got essentially three sherry butts with mature whiskey in them, very, very old whiskey, 35 and 39-year-old whiskeys, which had spent varying amounts of time in sherry. So there was there was one that was quite light and honeyed and sweet and fruity, quite typical of Belvenie. And there was two which were much darker and deeper and richer and more complex because they'd been in the sherry cask for a whole lot longer. Oh. Um, so... We've got three, these three very different casks available to us. And then it was essentially a case of David and I getting together. And I was truly very lucky to be part of this, I think. And, uh, David took me through the process he goes through when he's creating a new whiskey. And, uh, we mixed, uh, we mixed a few things up and we nosed, well, we nosed and tasted the samples and then David created uh, a number of different whiskies, and we nosed and tasted those. And we selected the two that we, we thought were the best. Um, so we, uh, we, uh, we thought we'd call them Liberated Casks 1 and 2, um, for want of a better name. Liberated because they were liberated or free from the warehouse. Perhaps not quite, uh, uh um, when they should have been, but, uh, um, so, so those are the whiskies. Um, both very, uh, both stunning, truly stunning whiskies. Uh, but both a little bit unusual for the Belvedere because it's quite unusual to, to be able to taste Heavily, or heavily sherry or heavily sherry-influenced balvenia. A lot of balvenia tends to be much more dominated by uh, maturation in the American oak. Spare, the sherry casks use a lot more sparingly usually, so it's, it tends to be lighter and fresher in style. So this is quite unusual to have some lovely, very, very old mature balvenia from sherry casks.
0: Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of The Malted Muse podcast. If you haven't heard them already, there is a back catalogue of other episodes available on iTunes. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can do so. My email address is jim at themaltedmuse.com. There's the website, www.themaltedmuse.com. And there's also Twitter, Twitter at Muse. So thank you again for listening, I hope you'll listen next week, and until then, thank you and goodbye.